This week on the Push Wallows podcast, we have a very special guest, international blogger, joking, it's Josh Silverman, <laughs> lecturer, teacher, and a guy that is literally shaping our fitness Three, two, one. I've got the right day today, Dan. Hey guys, welcome to the Push Pull Legs podcast with myself, Dami. And me, Tom Hall. What's going on, bud? Yeah, good mate. Yeah, apart from being accused of, of picking the wrong day to do the podcast, even though I was perfectly perfectly on time. Uh, I was on time. I thought we were getting two shows done in, in one week. I thought we were being ahead of the game, but like we have done previously, but Dan was like, I've got work to do. So that's fine. Some of us always working. <laughs> we don't clock off and go to our penthouse apartments at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah. No. You know? no, I was about to say I thought I was with the guest, but I wasn't. No, I will be tomorrow. It's fine. Um, but <laughs> we have a guest on today. Um, I am lucky enough to work with him. And Dan He's is. Enough to work oh, exactly. Dan is lucky enough to have met him once when he didn't even talk to him, apparently. Um, just going, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that is Josh Silverman. What's going on, bud? Again, you're right. All well, bud. Thanks for joining us on this uh, Wednesday evening. That's all right. Correction, work for me. Work for yeah. you. Yeah, I know. Rob Beal was actually there. But... <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think that, Tom. You, you were quick to correct me when I said that your boss was coming on. I was like, <laughs> like, well, pretty sure he is your boss. So. I know. I, th- I think directly I work for his department. So, yeah, he's definitely so my boss. So it's a fact I'm yeah. boss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a consultant. I don't have a boss. Fine. Uh, no, definitely, definitely my boss right now. Um, and I've got a meeting with him. I had a meeting with him. This No, not this morning. Yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. And tomorrow, fucking I see too much of him, basically, um, annoyingly. And we're doing lots of shit, hopefully. Yeah. See, this is, this is how I know that Josh gets paid a fortune, because would, I would charge a fucking load of money to have to deal with you on a daily basis. <laughs> like, it, must be, it must be seven figures. Surely. Absolutely, like, yeah. I mean, like, have you seen his new kitchen? Unbelievable. Yeah, it's great. Mate, it's all I care on it'll break within a year so that's what Tom's all about you're all about the looks rather than <laughs> oh yeah nothing about substance mate that's Tom down to a T uh, <laughs> right um, so I think without further ado guys we need to actually introduce who Josh is I mean there's a little bit um, of obviously we know each other from previous um, so Josh who the hell are you yeah so as mentioned, I'm Josh. I'm basically the head of education at Third Space, the group. So I head up mainly now education for PTs that might go into some other fields, I guess. So I'm in charge of how they progress through the training tiers, let's say, as well as how they're educated throughout the next couple of years. I'm also, alongside of that, head of the LDNM Academy, London Muscle. So I'm part of that company where I basically run the courses of level two level three i manage all the procedures i created the academy so went from nothing to center approval and to now being one of the biggest growing academies within the uk that, that probably sums it up pretty well yeah that's it I'm, that's me in a nutshell <laughs> <laughs> like head of everything basically nutrition and learning wise so pretty decent guy to come on a podcast that is meant to be was originally directed at personal trainers but probably turns out we got far more just general pop people uh, listening to our stuff but um so i think where i'd like to obviously i work with you but where do you think you at the moment sit in the fitness industry as part of, I don't know, I'm not going to call you a blogger, 
Um, <laughs> but it's in like obviously there's trainers, there's like influencers, there's I don't know people trying to make a difference. Where do you kind of see yourself? Um, I see myself really behind the scenes trying to, I guess, make a platform for PTs to then increase their profession or sorry should we say uplift the profession in a sense so i've got no desire to be known within the industry that much to be honest um what i want to do is try and create personal training to be a profession because you guys probably probably know this as well you'll sit down with people and pts and they say you know i don't want to be in the industry for longer than five years or people think it's a summer job or they think you know only students get this job they stay for two years and then go I want to basically with the help of third space and what we're doing with that is make the first sort of profession of PTs as in progression, good pay, um, a good platform to be known and to start writing and delving into other stuff as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say I sit behind the scenes and be in the silent, the silent brain or the silent pioneer, I guess. I would, I would, yeah, massively concur with that. Like before you came on board with uh, third space, obviously Myself and Luke Worthington, who also works for Josh now with me, um, were doing some stuff. But we knew of you, but you were never one to shout about what you were doing. I think that was what was the biggest thing uh, when you came in. And also, Josh is great when he presents. He will always say "we." I know. I told Sporting this out to him about two, two, three weeks ago, and it's never "I have done this." It's always we've done this and accompanies everybody in a team which I was like that's a great way of putting it because you're never going to be a dick to anybody I don't think anybody that's going to it's like I reckon I reckon that's going to change now that you oh yeah 100% yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think as well there's a couple of facets on it um, one was I've, I've worked for companies before and within the fitness industry where I've built up things and they've taken it as theirs and we said oh this is ours or mine when I've been sitting in the background thinking, what do you mean what you did? No, it was what we did together. I mean, shock that people in the fitness industry stabbing you in the back. But yeah. Um, <laughs> and then on the other side of it as well, whatever I create in third space or anywhere, that, that's going to outlast. Well, hopefully that's going to outlast me or outlast anyone. So it's not really mine. It's I've facilitated it and there's no way, shape or form that any project you've done just on your own, you haven't sat in a room and gone, I'm going to create this. You've taken in like, you know inspiration from everywhere whether that's just in the company whether that's through meetings it's not mine it's yeah it's ours and it, it has to be driven by everyone it can't be that one person otherwise it dies with that one person in my in my eyes that's all yeah i think that's pretty good i think that's a pretty good way of like you know you said before about personal training being a profession and it's one thing that um when i first joined the third space they were quite hot on and quite big on which is which was huge when i first did it was I want it to be a career rather than just a hobby or whatever people see it as mm. um, is that I think as a personal training department or as a, as a unit, I think that we, we used to do it all the time is you're constantly learning off each other and you're constantly evolving together. And I think that like you said, as a, as a we is that, it, you know, the, the client's experience is actually a product of everyone that works together. So how yeah. well the PTs get on together on the gym floor, how well they share equipment, how well they share space, how welcoming they are to everyone that joins the gym. And it's kind of going up a bit of a tangent here, but it's that whole we thing is really important for personal trainers to understand that, yes, you're a personal trainer and you have your own individual clients, but actually the better you make the experience for every single client in that gym, the better the gym runs, the better the gym works, the more likely you're going to be to get an increase in pay or to get increased bonuses or whatever because it's just a more successful gym rather than yeah. an individual. 
Definitely. And I think the culture being built now, and I think I can mention names anyway, but my boss and ultimately Tom's boss, who, who's Rob, um, he puts it quite quite well. He, he's worked for different places and he, he'll kind of say, look, I've been at high performance places that don't really focus on quality too much. And I think that we kind of atmosphere focuses a lot on quality. So our PTs at Third Space, should we say, and Tom will know this, they don't just get rewarded, let's say, on sessions, how many sessions they do in a month. That's obviously part of it because they need to build a business, but it's also the quality of the sessions. So they'll go up in pay scale, let's say, for how many hours they're doing, but only if once we've audited them in education that they're implementing what we've taught them in a good way and they've got justification around it. It's not just going on a course for a course sake. We're actually checking the quality of their work. And I think that's coming from high up as well. So from Rob, who's the fitness director, from the MDs, from the CEO even, they care a lot about the quality. And I think that ultimately will drive member experience, will then ultimately drive performance, will then ultimately drive someone's career. So it's it's all part of it, in my eyes. And a company that don't see that, it's not really a company you should be working for. But yeah, No, 100%. If, uh, <clears throat> I think like where we've moved away from, um, especially I don't think any of us have experienced the rental model of the market where it's just kind <laughs> no. of like, go in and from obviously my point of view it's like they're not really caring whether you're going to pick up clients or not they're caring whether they get your rent um, yeah. it's like alright are you level 3 cool I can assure you that's fine um, let's put it in so I'm not really a big fan of the I rental I think a lot of gym, I think a lot of gyms need to move away from the model like I know yeah. can you mention mention, um, mention names and good people like I know John Clark's doing it with um, Fit360 yeah. is is moving to the employed model and it's amazing how quickly he's grown a gym and a, and a culture and a community because there's none of this infighting like you know when you go to like a pure gym or you go to like these gyms that do the rented model is you always get this feeling that the PTs hate each other and there's like yeah. you can feel you can feel that no one really there gets on and actually walking into a gym it should be that everyone gets on and like I said at third space certainly when I was there um, it was very much that it was a case of you came in, just, you know, you saw your, your good mates and some days you'd train someone because your mate was away and they needed a, a session yeah. and, you know, it was like, that's the way it should be is that you're a team and that there's people that need training. And I think that there's that really nice kind of blend now of the models that have come together. And I do, I do think at some point the the rented model will die, hopefully sooner rather than later. But, um, because that only really benefits, like you said, short term, yeah. building a client base, getting rich, but then it's like, well, okay, you know, you're on decent money because you're only paying a little bit of rent in the gym. You've got a full client list, but actually where do you go from there? Because your time's full, you're charging what you charge. What, what do you do? You know, whereas that mm. the model that you guys are kind of implementing, it allows that progression. Um, yeah, HMRC are coming out with some changes anyway. I know that they're, yeah. they're reforming our industry quite big, so they're actually going to have to. St- if one place, for instance, is your sole earnings, you can no longer be self-employed. You have to be employed. So that's going to hopefully rattle some cages, which is quite good. Um, but yeah, yeah, just it's great for kind of people running our model. So which is going to be, and also even with the education stuff. I mean, we're going to talk about the Other Man Nutrition Academy or PT free stuff. Um, what we're trying to do is if you're in that rental model and you're by yourself, you have to look elsewhere for education. It's not in yeah. front of you. You haven't got people like yourself, me, Luke, blah, 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 who have probably been like, we've kind of been there, done it, done a few courses, know what we kind of want you to learn. We'll, yeah. put, we'll put tasters on. This is what we think. And then we're getting people in um, to actually talk or tell you to go away and do it. So, and, and I think the hardest thing for new PTs is finding credible people. Like, 100%, yeah. yeah. Like I remember the first the first courses I went to or the first books. I've even got a book on my shelf here now and I'm like, why is this book here? But um, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I even say on PT1 on the first day, this is... 
this is probably an amalgamation of around twenty thousand pounds of courses and and content that you don't have to attend that's pointless before getting this stuff this yeah. is the stuff that actually matters that they don't teach you but you'll never have to go out to find it we're, we're bringing it to you so yeah exactly that the other problem with that of course is that a lot of trainers don't do education they don't go and do these things because again it's a it's a day off from clients and it's that a loss of yeah. income and there's also that element to it that people forget it's like if i can't you know if i if i get take a day off my clients i've got four clients and to them that's quite a lot to go and do some education to better themselves um whereas like you say if you're surrounded by people who know their shit um but or you know in this model where you're you're employed it gives you the ability to have those days where you go right i'm going off to to learn and better myself and like you yeah. said make it a profession rather than like a I think people see it as like a hobby, don't they? Like, oh, I'm into fitness, so I'll, that's like the worst reason to get into PT. And by the way, um, like I'm into fitness because you have no time to train yourself, and you hate. Yeah, because you will hate the gym. Yeah, why exactly. don't you? Work I, I got I got told this today. Then I got like uh, banter. It was like, Tom, where's your rig, mate? And I was like, I literally haven't been able to train that much since like I've come back. Like, yeah, I can't find. I've literally got the excuse that my clients have of like, oh, I'm actually doing more work than I yeah. can't train. And as soon as I start training, I'll have because I'm I'm based heavily in the new gym that just opened in City. Uh, it's it's guaranteed no matter what I'm doing, I'll either be watched by the trainers going, "This guy's teaching me," so I'm going to make sure he's on point, or they're going to come over and go, "Oh, you see my tracking spreadsheet that you gave me? Should I do X, Y, and Z?" And you're like in the middle of a deadlift set, so you're kind of like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't train here. <laughs> I'll go elsewhere." But it, it's good in a way. It's a good good uh, good environment, but. Yeah, you've got to be on point as well. But you'll get out of members, I guess. Like, they'll see you training. If no one else is around, they'll ask you for some help. So, yeah, it's a bad bad excuse, basically. <laughs> so, I think from asking for help and bringing that back to where you started your education stuff, on the PT level three, so looking at people who want to turn it into a profession, they start out with their level two, level three. Um, what is different about the LDMN stuff that, Actually, one of Dan's clients is doing, I think, is either the academy or doing level three. Okay. Chapel Pen. Oh, yes. um, but, yeah, what's different about the Elderman? Because you've, you've said that it's, it's pretty half decent. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I hope so. <laughs> uh, so, basically, the way in which level two... So, you've got to do your level two first, which is your fitness instructing qualification. Then you've got to do your level three. Um, Tom's a rich boy, so he done uh, a degree, so you don't need to do level two. That's probably uh, why he doesn't know that bit. Two, two degrees, mate. He done two degrees. <laughs> you can't bring my co-host back into this he's in the same boat as me <laughs> that's why he's not said anything <laughs> we, right, we've both got the same fucking like qualifications <laughs> I don't live in a penthouse mate oh brilliant yeah, you just live in you live in like a two three bed in Bath mate so I, I spent fun, all yeah. my money on those degrees whereas you spent a tiny fraction of your money yeah so. your penthouse could probably brilliant. buy a bar yeah exactly <laughs> All right, yeah, so, so all level twos and level threes are exactly the same. Like Regardless of where you go, the, the syllabus, the content, and even the manuals are given by the awarding bodies to the providers. This is all set by one body out there, and nothing's changed for about 15 years because of one major framework, which is the national occupational standards. People have tried. There's been companies out there that have tried to say, we're going to change this all. Then when they realize, actually, we're messing with government and what the government sees as the national occupational standards, you can't change anything. So anyway, level two, level three is by the awarding body. But what we do is we add in a lot of extra content. So it, it's classes enrichment. It's not part of the syllabus, but it's the stuff that actually matters. This is things like 
you know hypertrophy isn't a rep range it's actually a lot more than that it's say volume or it's looking at how you program it's not it doesn't matter how many reps you do if volume goes up if intensity's gone up etc etc whatever so we do a lot with that we do a lot of nutrition nutrition's a very shady area because people say you know you're only allowed to give advice towards the healthy eating guidelines but the healthy eating guidelines is to reduce calories so we can teach calories macros etc because that's part of the healthy eating guidelines because to reduce calories i need to be able to calculate calories things like that so what we do is we add in i would say 40 percent of the content that we teach is stuff that isn't part of the syllabus although they are taught the syllabus as well not only that but even the lifts and the way in which we teach cueing and stuff isn't part of the syllabus um we still teach and show them the way that they would want it. If say the awarding body was to watch us and they do, they come in, they audit us and people nail it, but we add a lot more onto it as well. So we show them different forms of deadlifts. So we say, we don't just do the basic one. Even the bent over, the bent over row is not in the syllabus. It's crazy. So we're not even meant to teach a bent over row. Um, it, it's, it's nuts. Even uh, good morning, stiff leg deadlift, anything like that. Uh, Bulgarian split squat. None of that is actually in the syllabus for level two, level three, which is crazy. But yeah, we teach it anyway. So that, that kind of sets our stuff apart. And actually what we do is we make sure our tutors and assessors have actually PT'd before. I know that sounds a bit strange, but there's no prerequisite for some companies who get their tutors and assessors. As long as they put it on their CV that they were a PT for a year somewhere, they'll be able to tutor and assess we make sure that that person has managed a consistent client base for at least five years before they're allowed to teach or assess on our course. And they're still doing it while they're a tutor assessor. So yeah, I think that that kind of sets it apart as well, I guess. 100%. I mean, I've been a body for a uh, level two and a level three um, course of one of my clients and it is fucking atrocious. I don't know where I was and I was just, obviously they didn't know who the fuck I was. And the, tenant, the, the the assessor didn't give a shit what was going on, and I'm going. This, I wouldn't teach it like this. Do you need to do that? And then, then I he came. We, he was teaching a uh, bench, a bench row. Okay, single arm like bench supported row. And then uh, the assessor came over and then was like, "He can do heavier than that." So like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, what is why, what does the weight matter? Yeah. It's like yeah. <laughs> on the t- there's a tick sheet that you get of cri- it's criteria. And one of it is, um, are you reaching to the client's measured intensity? And it's like, well, actually, what we really care about is, can you coach that person? Are you correcting them? Are you doing observation points? And yeah, so it's probably given, probably because if if they took this as a real assessment, surely this this client's like it's only their first session. But you know, I wouldn't know that. So and and even little things like we we teach the reps in reserve scale and things like that. And uh, do you know the Borg scale? Is it five to twenty-five or? Oh, mate, the Borg scale is mental. That makes no sense. Oh, I mean, <laughs> five to twenty-five. How do you feel? Like, like all right, mate. so we <laughs> on a deadlift on a scale of five to twenty-five. Well, it's a deadlift, mate. It's hurting. Like it's hard. I don't know where I am. So we teach reps in reserve scale, which yeah. we're not really meant to. So let's hopefully no one in bodies listening. But no, one, no one will listen to it. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So we teach reps in reserve scale. We teach a scale of one to ten rather than five to twenty-five, and and actually more about visual and all about okay, if they fail and fatigue in their posture, that's probably telling you where they're at more so than what they're saying. I mean, Dan, we've preached about this a lot and we, we don't even, even though like one to 10 scale is tough, but we've also talked yeah. about the reps on the reserve scale because from a one to 10 scale, if you're knocking about at four or five, what the fuck are you doing? 
That's mm. like if that's a, a, a yeah, meaningful set. Five and seven. Right? Yeah, so I'm like, do I have that? And, and the client's always going to lie. The client's going to realise. Anytime I say one or two, or anytime it I say eight up. or nine, they want me to wait anyway. So this is where we start telling them, right, add a plus set in at the end of the set and see how much they get. They've been telling you two reps in reserve. So on the third set, add a plus set. They've got 12 extra reps. They've probably been lying to you, which they're going to do most of the time anyway. Um, so, yeah, make sure that you're really looking at other stuff, not just what they're saying. Yeah, 100%. And then yeah, you... we talked, I talked about the other day, the, um, there's a study. They did a study on this very topic and they basically said to people right pick your 10 rep max on an exercise i can't remember what the exercise was it could have been squats or bench i can't remember pick your 10 rep max the amount of people i can't remember the percentages now every single person did more than 10 reps every single one of them yeah well, there, there like, a... no one knows like that where where they're at they don't yeah. know that level of intensity it's hard um, yeah and i mean even deliberately lying there's been studies done even on dietitians where they dietitians know the the consequences or the issues when it comes to lying in a study and not being you know having integrity when it comes to what data they're giving so they're measuring via food diary and on the way in to go get measured and give in their food diary they're leaving out a plate of it's like fruit donuts sweets or whatever every dietitian on the way up because there was on a calorie controlled diet picked something up but none of them put it on their diary not one of them. And even in te- when they was interrogated saying, this don't add up. Have you missed something off your diary? No. Three times it took interrogation for them to admit and come clean. And that's heavily invested people into a study that understands the issues or the consequences of doing that. And they still lied. And I, I teach it on the course when we're doing level two, level three and that. I call it the police officer. Like I'll ride a motorbike. Yeah. Obviously, I stick to the speed limit. So when the police officer pulls me over, he had a high-vis jacket on with a speed gun watched me and i pulled over and he asks me he's pulled me and says how fast were you going obviously i was doing the speed limit that's why you pulled me yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna go 30 miles an hour no no no, go up all right 40 no 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 go. so even then when it's you, you know you've been caught you're still gonna lie it's human human nature to get out of it right so yep <laughs> yeah sorry. every every client we've ever had yeah lying just food diary wise it's just like yeah that's kind of forgiven um so bring that back into what do you teach through the nutrition academy is that affiliated with the level three or is that just something off the back of yeah so nutrition's again a bit of a, a bit of a weird one um when it comes to nutrition unless you go out and get a degree or a postgraduate diploma or something or a master's it doesn't really matter where you go and learn your nutrition stuff from. There are other, there's loads of different courses, including ours out there, and certifications. But actually, nothing's going to give you more of a credential until you get that that next step of a degree, etc. So, what we did was, or what I did was, I looked at all of the different courses out there and the providers and said, right, what what does a coach need in order to get results with clients? Do they really need to recite the Krebs cycle? Probably not. Definitely not. They need to know the basics of okay, this is a calorie calculation, but actually most clients are going to lie. So how can we manipulate calories and work on their behaviors or more on their nutritional age and things like that? And how do we get someone out of, let's say, a plateau in in weight loss without reducing calories? What can we do? So what we did was we come together and gone, right, we can fit this in a two-day course and they can go and learn it and then present it back or whatever. So we basically just said, "This this is how you work out calories as a good guess. 
this is the macros that count and really it's just protein and the rest of the time do what you want unless you know you're diabetic or something and even then like as long as you're in a deficit most of the time you're all right um then we looked at what what supplements you actually need which is none unless you can't hit let's say your protein amount which is quite counterintuitive because we we sell supplements um but it's kind of like what supplements work out there the studies say like creatine for instance um protein we did look at bcaas but some new research is obviously suggesting if you're in a fasted state bcaas can actually be detrimental i don't know if you've seen that um by looking at taking protein from elsewhere in order to keep mps or prevent mpb in another area anyway um so we go we go across all of that and then we start challenging beliefs around different diets and then just say listen every diet works because of two things one the person sticks to it and two it's a deficit that's it the rest of it is icing on the cake and if you can stick to it for long term enough you'll get to your result and a lot of people go well i dieted for 18 weeks and i didn't get a six pack what do i need to do diet longer like just carry on you've just not dieted enough that's all it is it's been a year yeah carry on do you know what I mean? it's things like that so what we then did was we went to a company called Financial Fitness and said, look, we, we can't get this accredited with the AFN because I'm not, I haven't got a PhD because I'm not boring. So um, <laughs> what can you do that kind of sets us apart? And they said, right, we'll come and see your first course. So they come, their underwriters came and sat it and they loved it. And they were like, actually, you're staying in your lane. You're, you're not going into, you know, hormones and insulin fairy and stuff like that. So we'll underwrite this and say whatever information you give to these guys we will insure them against it because we know you're being fine like you're, you're doing common sense stuff so yeah we created it over a two-day course we could have monetized it and i could have made it a year-long program of every week they get a lecture and gone right into the delves of it but i just didn't see the need of it I, there was no point it was more meant to be a seminar but then it become a certification people are asking for a level two I don't know how much more I can say just don't eat that much in a level two. I don't know what else I can go into. I could probably go into performance nutrition, but even then, are they going to really get performance athletes or proper athletes coming to them for performance? Probably not. Like for performance nutrition, they're, they're the guys that are working with teams. And even then, there's no money in it. So like, what's the point? The money is actually with the with the general pop in the gym. So we give them that information. Um, yeah, that's, that was the answer. I guess. <laughs> I think it's pretty rounded. And then bear in mind, we've had like, we had Martin, obviously MNU. That's more of a year course, right? I mean, even Dan's, yeah. Dan's actually done that, hasn't he? Yeah, I've done, I've done like, like Josh, I've done loads of courses. Like I've done, well, like we touched on before, two degrees. Three. <laughs> um, oh. But like I've done, like, well, I started doing the ISSN diploma. Same. Um, with Laurent Bannock. Um, I've done MNU. And they're great. Don't get me wrong. Like the quality of the content, amazing. Yeah. I never actually finished I send diploma. I pro- probably could still do it if I really wanted to. But again, it's a time thing. And actually, it was so in depth and so scientific and, and really kind of at that level that I I've never I would never use that as kind of detail with with the clients that I work with. Um, and I think like you touched on, really, when it boils down to nutrition, it is calories. Like you said, bit of protein obviously is important. And then it's what they can adhere to. But not only people talk about adherence as if it's like um, like picking the right diet for someone like oh can they stick to low carb or low fat or uh, whatever it might be but actually it's more for me and, and I, what I, you know I think people need to understand with their clients especially as PTs as well is it's actually what your clients tell you about it's just making sure they don't lie to you it's not about whether yeah. they can adhere to a diet it's whether they can adhere to it and tell you the truth because yeah. I've had clients before tell me they adhere to a diet and then I find out later that they're not and it's kind of like okay we need to work on the relationship so that you don't lie to me like I've had clients before tell me that 
they, they again, yeah, no, it's not trying to sound this way, but like they were like, I didn't want to let you down. Like, uh, you know, you, you in, you know, like we talked about before we came on the show, like, oh, you inspire me, whatever. But like, they're like, I didn't want to let you down. Like, and I'm like, you're letting me down more by lying than you are just by telling me that you couldn't stick to this because then I can change it. I mean, it easier for yeah. you. And you have to be very upfront and honest. And we talked about um, like the psychology aspect. And like, to be honest, with coaching, it's like with any coaching, football coaching, I've been in, like I say, involved in sports and football and it's not actually necessarily the best coaches are the ones that have the best technical ability or the best you know skill set in terms of how many courses they've been on it's how they it's how they have they build a relationship with people yeah and the best coaches are the ones that can read people and go right i know how to deal with you i know to be positive or negative i know if you deal best with feedback this way written verbal whatever it is and it's about understanding your client not necessarily whether they prefer low carb or low fat doesn't really matter it's about what they're going to tell you that they've yeah. been doing so that you can make the right decisions and i think a lot of pts need to understand that is that yeah you all the courses in the world you can learn all the different deadlift variations in the world if your client's lying to you you're fucked literally <laughs> fucked. Like, there's no point there's literally no point um because the results they're going to get basically you think they're getting results from the two hours they spend in your gym in a week no it's the other can't even do the quick maths on it but 23 hours of the day you know 166 of the week right that they're going to tell you about it's, it's like that is that's, that's making more yeah I, I, I didn't learn math somebody <laughs> it's like I did, yeah. that's that's more important than those two hours but yet pts are so obsessed with making sure that their client is so amazed by their ability in those two hours that they forget that actually you need to be inspiring them if you want to use that word but you need to be making sure that they respect you enough to yeah. stick to what you're asking them to do outside of the gym and i think that's why when I was at the first place, a lot of my clients, I, I felt, got better results than some of the other trainers' clients was because I would tell them, this is fucking pointless unless you're sticking to these rough amount of calories or unless you're thinking somewhat about your week. Because I said, two sessions in here a week is pointless if you're going home, sitting on the sofa and eating Ben and Jerry's. It's, really, it's pointless. You may as well not come. And P yeah. PTs are scared to tell their clients that because they think they're going to walk out the door and never come back. But mm. actually, they respect you more. And they actually turn up more and they give you better sessions. They're more honest with you. They tell you if they've been out drinking the night before. They tell you if they've fucked up their diet because they respect you because you respect them and you've told them the truth, which is these two sessions a week are going to do fuck all unless you actually sort your life out around it, which is going to be getting off a tube stop earlier and walking into work. It's going to be going for a walk at the weekends. It's going to be eating protein. It's going to be, do you know what? You can't eat fucking chocolate every day. Like they're the things <laughs> that people will respect you for. Um, and that, I just think that that for me, as 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 far as academies go, I'm sure you you know you cover all those aspects because yeah. you've been PT and like you said, the tutors and assessors have been PT, so they know this. It's not about whether the person can do a perfect one hand on a bench dumbbell row, right? Mm. It's about how well they respect you to keep coming back. Yeah, so they're going to keep getting results, and I think a lot of a lot of PTs that we see on lovely fucking instagram but it's like it's all about them and it's like it's all about what what skills they've got or what courses they've been on and mm. it's actually it's more about how you can get that person to believe what you say and mm. actually follow it through so that they get results yeah and i mean we we teach this sort of stuff both on at the third space at pt1 and even pt2 as well as the old NEM nutrition stuff. And we call it the trip or fall mentality. It's like, look, if your client trips, that's normal, that's human. If they fall, as in, you know, they muck up a bit, if they fall and go right down the rabbit hole, that's probably your fault rather than the client's fault. Because 
what they've actually done is gone into a guilt mentality and gone, oh my God, my training is going to be so harsh on me now because, you know, I've, I've overdone my calories a bit and now that means that I've mucked it all up. That's what <coughs> the trainer's fault. And we teach about things like, you know, calories are not just a daily thing. We can just take it away over the next few days, for instance. Um, and actually adherence is is as much a daily thing as it is a full diet thing the, the person could value on that day you know like their physique and what their goal is so for instance for me i go away next week to dubai however yesterday was my wedding anniversary and there's no way i'm going to be valuing that my body composition over my wedding anniversary meal and start mucking around macros on my wedding anniversary meal absolutely not um because i'm not an idiot so i want it enough mate you just don't want it enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a lion. I'm a sheep. Yeah, you're not um, a lion, mate. Yeah, I, I've not got a lion tattoo. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's and that's normal. Like that, that's to teach the client. That's normal. However, I just know that my goalpost has moved. I just know I'm not going to be maybe as in shape unless I reduce my calories over the next days. But that's fine because I'm all right with that. That was a trip. If I fell, I would have started Binion's Day tomorrow next day and actually look worse in the long run. But yeah, we and PT two, which is the second module on third space, is literally all about the art of coaching behaviors uh, values etc i think so. that's the thing is like i remember I, one of my clients so the second you know she, she i think the first time i met her she was like oh yeah you know i can't you know i know i shouldn't be drinking all this sort of stuff and i think i said so i was like no you can drink i was like you just think about what you're doing kind of yeah. thing and it was like straight away from that point you can almost see in her face she was like okay you're you're the trainer for me like kind of thing because she loves to drink but <laughs> you can drink just was, don't be an asshole yeah it was more right. like a case of, yeah you could you can have two glasses of champagne probably a day if you really want to, and I was like, if that's for you is more important than eating food, like you know, healthy food throughout the day, and you want to, you don't want carbs in your meals, go for it or whatever. And but I said to her, I said it's more a fact that when you get a bit pissed, you eat like a dickhead, or yeah. the next day you yeah. eat like a fucking world's strongest man, and you shouldn't. They're the they're the things that are cropping up here, not the fact you've had two glasses of champagne. And like I say, the second you be real with these people, rather than give them a chicken, rice and broccoli meal plan, they're like, Oh actually, do you know what? I can I can do this. This is all right. Whereas yeah. most PTs are so full on and like you said like we said, like if you're not grinding, doing fasted cardio, you know, you're not it's, it's not worth even doing anything. It's like no, not. people don't understand sometimes who they're talking to. Um yeah. so just explaining that, like you say, getting the respect that way. By talking to like a human and going, right, well, this is important to you. Like, I knew to her that she was never going to give up drinking. It was never yeah. going to happen. And, and also, she might the, be alcoholic, but and the gym and training should enhance life. It shouldn't be the other way around, where you've got to adjust your life around your gym and training. Really, unless you're an athlete, you know, like it, it should just complement what you're doing outside. It shouldn't prevent you from doing anything, unless you're like killing yourself and doing stuff. Yeah, but, unless you. Yeah. It's very rare that anybody's going to be overtraining. Also, I'd love to be a fly on the wall, Dan, for you having the I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Talk, <laughs> talk with a client. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed from Daddy Dan. <laughs> I was just like, that'd be amazing. I just, I just, I don't really do that. I kind of just, like, have, I just tend to have two, two like you got two modes. It's either yeah, you're doing really well, everything's great, or you're a fucking disgrace. It's kind of one or the other, really. You kind of get with me. Um, but yeah, I think so, I, I genuinely think though, like a lot of my clients would say i suppose like obviously on social media and stuff you you can be a certain way and i think that a lot of clients do see the the more i suppose sensitive side of you because it's quite personal it's quite a personal thing it's just one-on-one -on -one. you're chatting about someone's life you're trying to change their life in a certain way and i think there can be a perception sometimes that that in fitness it's all a bit extreme and it's you know it's not really oh mate it's not really like that 
like have we found out that boring fucking doesn't sell hence why like just I'm just like no just keep it simple it's like we can't market that Tom can you do a, can you do something that nobody's ever seen before <laughs> no yeah no, can, I you can't. Single, <laughs> can you do a single leg RDL into snatch please it's like I, mean, I could it will look a fucking mess but yeah, yeah because we'll, your we'll, hips we'll, are fucked <laughs> yeah to be honest um, so pretty much got a lat on your leg <laughs> Well, we'll get to that, mate. Fucking hell. Um, so, I think from that perspective, as a, a, a person who I think is shaping a lot of careers now, I mean, you just said you've got 400 odd people that come through that, the coaches coaching or whatever, LDMN. So, you're shape, starting to shape careers of what they should be learning. What, uh, say, after LDMN and say, whatever. What should they be going on to learn now? I'm not strictly talking nutrition. You've got nutrition, you've got business, you've got training. Those are the three avenues in my perspective, or psychology, four avenues. But I think psychology and business kind of ramp together quite well. Um, yeah. What what avenues and what do you think's best to go down? Is there anything that you've done over the last like 10 years? Yeah, I, I mean, so I was on one of the first PN courses that, that came into the oh, UK. Yeah. And then I followed that and I, was, I loved it. And then Dr. John Berardi, who is the owner of Precision Nutrition, went down the psychology route and I was like, oh, he's so airy-fairy. Mm. And then I realized mm, it's all about behavior and psychology. And if you know that, and if you know how to talk to people, you know how to coach people, just like we've been saying, I would say that's probably more important than anything else, just understanding people and getting experience of where people are in, in their life. So my two things would be for any new trainer always is a get on the gym floor and go and just talk and interact with people. Don't try and sell. Don't don't be like, you know, um, uh, what do they like an imposter or, or try and try and sell them stuff all the time. But then go and learn around behaviors and psychology. And then after that, go and get a good footing into things like exercise, progressions, regressions and movement and understand human movement. Say the biomechanic side of things, mainly for injury prevention, but also for performance. I, I would say that everything that you need to learn as a, the first five years of a PT probably doesn't even need to be from a course. There are some staple books out there that will do everything for you. One of them is Mike Boyle, Functional Fitness. That will probably get you where you need to be for that side of things. Uh, another one, Eric Helms, which are the nutritional and training pyramids. They're, they're cool. And then maybe, um, I forgot the, the author's name, but there's um, motivational uh, interviewing in nutrition. And that's it. I, I would say stick to those fundamentals of programming, movement and picking exercises for someone, habits, behavior, how to get out of someone in psychology, in all honesty. And then actually what you should be doing is finding a company that paves the way for education for you. They should have done that legwork if they don't then well maybe you need to come to third space or <laughs> um maybe you need to question is that company right for me if i now need to go and find my own information rather than doing it towards a company ethos yeah easy, easy. is that right <laughs> <laughs> i think that's about right yeah damn and, and i think also under what is your underlining principle as a trainer you know my underlining principle is whatever you do in the gym should always complement outside so i'm never going to do some something that sacrifices your life in other words, I'm not going to make you worse at movements that when you go outside, you can't really enjoy your life. So no matter what I learn, it's always going to be training complements life. So I'll get loads of tools for everything. And that will then be my principle with different methods. So I've done things like PRI. I've done FMS. Um, I've done all the different nutrition courses. I've done UKSCA, but I'm not the UKSCA guy or I'm not the FMS guy. I'm just 
the guy that maybe with one client might do some FMS stuff or with another client might do PRI stuff. Why am I doing that? Because they bought into it. That's the only reason why they chose to do it, not me. So I'm just using those tools for, for my principles. I think that's massive and it's something we beat the fucking drum on loads of time. And we're actually going through critical thinking with TS, right? So, and that's taking bits of being like, why? All right, that's cool. Let's take it. Why is that happening? Nah, I don't mm. need that. All right, that's, I don't need to like actually bring that into my scope of practice. So critically thinking about what stuff you need, what you want. So that's kind of your fucking teaching brain coming into basically everything there. So, which yeah. is something me and Dan would be like, well, why do you need to know that? Why do you need to do that? Yeah. And that's what a degree is perfect for, right? Like that's what yeah. a degree teaches you is critical. If there was a critical thinking course out there, which isn't a degree, I'd tell PT to do that. But I would, yeah, I would say that that's probably number one thing. And maybe some form of screening, uh, oh yeah 100% yeah. whether it's FMS or whatever just some form of screen that you do even if it's the NASM screen I know there's but at least you're screening <laughs> at least you're looking for something yeah at least you're not just going cookie car alright I have no idea how you move let's chuck a load of shit at you um, yeah, that's fine. I mean, that was what uh, that's what we came up with our assessments, and it was it dawned on me when uh, we went and saw Brett Contreras talk, didn't we? Uh, mm. Down down at um, fucking it was a bath on it, and uh, and he, he he was just he Brett Contreras PhD biomechanics, and he was like my assessment. I get somebody to squat, I get somebody to row, I get somebody to press, I get somebody to like reach overhead, I get somebody to hinge. These are the movements that I'm doing like all the time, and every single one of my clients is going to do one of these movements at some point in their yeah. life with me. So why the fuck am I doing these weird range of motion testing when I'm I'm kind of wasting their time? They haven't come to me for that. I've enforced it. Yeah, sure. If I if I see something that's off during one of these really basic kind of just normal loaded screens, then mm -hmm. I'm going to go and look at it. It might need ten minutes of my time, but if it's not, then forget about it it's fine just yeah. start them off with the basic regression definitely and I think one thing that needs to stop which is doing my nothing in the industry <laughs> and it's evidence based evidence based guys where you know something will come up someone will say something like, oh where's the study on that even if I sent you the study you would really? probably not know how to actually dissect it properly because that study was done on like Italian military veterans who are now 92 years old and have been heavily paid are you a 92 year old military veteran with software that then sorts out the statistical analysis or statistical differences when I start taking means and mo like you like when people go, is there a study? There's no study. It's like shut up. You're not a PhD person. I get studies have to, you know, science backs up most of the stuff. But at the end of the day, just because there isn't a study on it, but there's probably not a study on most things. You need a hypothesis first. This is what yeah. people start to forget sometimes. Yeah. Best one the other day. Best one the other day was on Instagram. I, I said that um, it was a while ago now. I think I, I said, oh, I suggested that someone could do eighteen sets of of work on their shoulders over the course of the week. Oh yeah, some kid was like, <laughs> you got a reference to that, mate? Someone, <laughs> yeah, no, this kid was like, oh, that's way too much fucking volume for shoulders. The actual evidence shows it's about twelve, and I was like, it's not that far away from twelve. What? <laughs> and, and then I was like. So they do a press, they do a raise, they do a rear raise twice a week. I was like, that's too much volume. And he literally would stop. And I was just like, mate, you need to start going to the gym and start lifting. And again, you got on his profile. He's a 20-year-old kid, skinny runner. I'm not, I'm not fucking big, but I'm a bit older. Massive, I, train, I train enough people to go, no, people can do 18 sets and shoulders a week, mate. I'm not a moron. Yes, they could just do 12 and probably progress a little bit. But what, what's the next extra six going to be? You're not, they're going to yeah. fucking die. They're not going to not recover <laughs> yeah. from that. 
And I'm sure just, you're not doing just over 18 sets of overhead press in one that's, session. That's what he thought. That's, that's <laughs> what he thought. And again, I was yeah. like, it shows how stupid you are. You think the shoulder is just a press. Like, <laughs> you know what? This is this is where my biggest philosophy comes in, and that is don't argue videos because people watching won't be able to tell the difference. Like I've stopped now. I've just like whatever. That's the thing is, is no matter how big the audience or the following they've got, they are still idiots. And it's just that whole thing of, <laughs> I, I just I'm, I'm the same now. Like I've I've stopped posting as much on Instagram at the moment, and I'm gonna start posting a little bit more in a couple of weeks because sorting of shit out with branding stuff, but. The reason for that as well has been, actually, I was just starting to post stuff, and I was like, why am I posting this? I'm posting this just because I feel like I should be. And like, I know it's right, and I'm trying to help people, but then you get all these fucking comments from dickheads who haven't got a clue. And it just, it just kind of gets, it just gets really annoying. It's just, it is annoying. And I know people always say, oh, just ignore it, don't worry about it, but it does get annoying. It's like, mm. I'd rather not have to deal with this shit. Yeah, but yeah. Sometimes you have to, like say, throw a cat among the, among the pigeons to kind of make people sit up and realise, but... Yeah. yeah, and the problem with the PT world is it's is people are so afraid. I think of of saying something like it's actually really simple. It's not that complex because they feel that then people are going to go, oh, I don't need a PT. I just I'll just do it myself then. And actually, what they don't understand is you just don't understand that they still need you there as accountability. And like we talked about the psychology and the behavioural aspect and all that sort of stuff and the confidence of having someone there to check their form. Yeah. But PTs seem to want to make things so complex that people feel that they need them. And yeah. That's a great way to start a relationship with someone to go, you need me. It's yeah. like, no, I'm just complimenting you. I help you. Exactly. You yeah, I guide you. you. I'm your consultant. Like the, something I say on the PT course quite regularly is, yeah, like anyone can go in a gym and move around weight, but I kind of use it as a, as a thing saying, look, imagine anyone can cook food, right? So anyone can put a load of stuff in a pan and let it cook and you'll eat it and not die. But to make it taste good and to actually make it a meal, that's when the art of it comes in and that's what you need to learn usually as a chef. But anyone can cook. So I, I say that as PTs. Anyone can go in and train and as a newbie, they'll probably get some results. But when it comes down to fine tuning the body or moving better in those aspects, that's when the art of it comes in. So, yeah. Idiots. <laughs> Which moves on to basically with that with the people that are idiots, mate. And this strictly usually comes online. There's not as many because people won't take to your face. But Josh, you've been through one to one training, online yeah. training, and mm. now teaching. Uh, what do you say is best? What would you not do again? Which one's harder? Which one uh, did you most enjoy? I, I love teaching. The 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 actual cl the classroom is my stage. Um, I love talking so teaching I really enjoy I get a kick out of it I like seeing people's eureka moments in their mind when they go ah oh, I get it that, that's what I teach for I think um, but one to one I still do some one to one um, now even at third space I'm an elite PT I don't know if anyone's told me that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm an elite PT. Um, I, I wonder if I came back. If I came back tomorrow, would I be an elite PT? Does that yeah. count? Tier one, mate. You need to go. Tier one. You, you, you'd have to be in front of a board, and unfortunately, yeah, both months plan. Don't worry. Both, um, both me and Josh sit sit on that accreditation bit, yeah, so it's fine. Yeah. No bias. We're like the UKSCA. You never get through on the first yeah. hit. <laughs> <laughs> we're only allowed a certain amount as well. So yeah. sorry, mate. We're full. But, <laughs> yeah, one to one alike. I've done some online coaching, and actually, it depends. If you've got a client that really, I think it depends on the personality of the client. If I've got a client that really likes numbers and they're always hitting numbers, and that's what we're programming for, I like doing that, um, th that sort of thing online. But I don't really like online. I don't really do it anymore. 
I just find it actually it's a lot harder. It's not easy. It's a lot harder. It's very isolated. It's very lonely, in my opinion. And one to one can become quite draining. I couldn't I wouldn't do it full time anymore just because I, I plan so much and I'm so in the detail of things, probably why I became a teacher. I'm so in the detail of things that actually I, I start overcomplicating it. So I actually start doing less time on clients and more time in the evening on programming. But I'll always do some one-to-one. I think I'll always do teaching, but teaching is probably my, my favorite. It's interesting because we kind of got three aspects here. Obviously, I do more one-to-one, more into the teaching side over the last kind of like two years. And Dan, you've done one-to-one and now you've done like, obviously you've done workshops and seminars over the last couple of years as well, but heavily online. From yeah, three I've, years- heard there's, I've heard there's a gym company in London that want to get me in as a... <laughs> oh, really? As a tier one trainer. Yeah, No, no, I think um, I, I, do enjoy, I do enjoy speaking. It's something I, I, I would want to do more of, but at the same time, I'd only want to be asked like i knew i've heard of people like fucking putting themselves forward for shit and it's just like no just get asked if you're good enough you get asked kind of thing mm-hmm. um but i agree with what um with what josh said like the online stuff i think it's seen as this fucking holy grail of of like being a pt an online pt and it's really like it's, hard, it's harder for one like you just said it's so much harder um because it's easy for people to lie to you it's easy for people just to sack off things and um you have to be very very good at i think reading people and building those relationships quite quickly um it is a bit lonely like i've spent all day today pretty much in the house staring at this computer screen um so yes yeah hashtag freedom and all Um, (laughs) and like yeah literally spent like i've been out for a walk maybe for 20 minutes because i I literally realized i hadn't left the chair um but yeah like you said being it being in in person pt as well like i was up at five o'clock every single morning um you know and, and kind of wasted a lot of time because of the gap in the middle of the day and got to the weekend I was absolutely fucking knackered and didn't really do much so it's, it's kind of like I think finding that next thing that you want to do so obviously Tom's got the thing he wants to go into teaching and, and enabling him to be able to kind of keep his hand in with both that's something that I think for me where I want to take things is always have the online stuff but gradually over time it will be that I'll have a few less clients and it will be that I'll do other things and hopefully do yeah. workshops and stuff and I'm I'm not going to do a fucking online academy or anything. I think that's been and gone now. I think if you're good at that by now, you've kind of developed it and it's done. <laughs> um, it seemed to be like the thing to do three years ago, I think, was uh, do an online teaching thing. Yeah. Um, but again, like, I wouldn't, I, I, I'm hoping in the future to go into maybe helping PTs and helping people who who want to who want to know someone who's, who's, who's done, who's made a, a career out of it. Like you talked about making it a profession and someone to go, look, if you want help, I can help you with yeah. being a PT because, I, like you said, there's not a lot of people out there who, who do it and who've been through it as well. Like, I think, like, Phil Ernie's doing it at the ACA. Like, he's been yeah. a PT. He's worked till he, he worked till he was, like, 30, 32. Like, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he actually started. Well, he, he worked. Yeah, he basically. started for us, yeah, yeah. And, he did, and he did, that's where he built up his business. Like, he learned everything and, like, he mm-hmm. now tells people about that and, I wouldn't. I don't think I quite do it, like I said, in the online course kind of way. But I certainly think that there's there's definitely people in the future who are going to need that help. Who have going to have been the online market will be saturated by that point. And to yeah. go look, I can you know talk about this sort of stuff and talk about what I would do now because we've talked about it before on podcasts. What I would do now, I wouldn't be a full time online coach if I was starting today. If I was twenty twenty one starting today, I would not choose to do this as a full time job. Um, I would go to, to the hybrid approach. I would go. Yeah. do them both together like you just said like some clients will be very good at online you might see them once a week or some you might see twice a week and help them online with their nutrition whatever that is the best way of doing it because you're going to get results you literally can't can't not get results and i think that the quicker in-person pts incorporate that into their service they will get quicker results quicker transformations they'll get more clients and they'll be in demand because 
you're getting the best of both worlds. I don't know what my clients are doing in the gym. I don't know if their form's perfect, if they're pushing the right intensity. And likewise, when you're doing a one-to-one, you don't know if your client's stuffing their face with pork pies. It's like, you don't know, and you, and you haven't given them that help because it's not within your, within your not what your remit, but what you're paid to do. You're not paid yeah, to do. Yeah. Whereas if your client said, look, I'll pay you for two sessions a week plus an extra session a week as a monthly fee to help you for the time it takes to ring me up and speak to me and give me an update and go through calories and food choices and how to do a food shop and what your kitchen looks like so it's you know you don't like say stuff your face full of pot pies like that is the model that i think will take off it will if you get that right and you're very very good at it and you've got the right personality for it you can go very very far but i, w- I don't think doing one or the other is is the way to go anymore i think no and i think it, there'll be a full circle soon in my prediction that actually yes. yeah. online will will It'll now die. be turned back round to actually face to face with a bit of online balance this is what it's about really yeah, it will it will i think because the online world is so saturated now the people who aren't making any money from it and the people that have been to a, a six-figure guru wasted their money and realized it's not as easy as that they will now go back to doing what they first did which is one-to-one pt and there will be less and less online pts um and that will probably be you know it might be good for us who are established and good at it and kind of know what we're doing but i do agree i do think that there is this there will be a trend in the next few years of people going back to one-to-one pt um, and I wouldn't be surprised, um, we've talked about it before, whether it's going to get to a point in the future where potentially one-to-one PT could be subsidized by the government because of mm. the fucking problems that you see in the world. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I think in 10 years it will happen. I genuinely think it will. Um, that you'll be given incentives to go and, and see a trainer, whether it's once a week, once a month, whatever. Um, and then there'll be a flock of people that go that way again because it'll be government-funded yeah you know, PT qualifications and there'll be all this sort of stuff because there's so many PTs out there who aren't who aren't doing a good job and not only that, but yeah. they're not doing a good job of showing people what they can do because people are still overweight and there's a massive problem that's rising. So there's something that's missing somewhere. There's more gyms than ever, but people are obese. So it's like there's, there's something misconnecting that. What will fuel that? It's got to be the employers. So someone like, let's say, Third Space against another place, because Third Space value the employees and they're building models to make it a profession, that's what instills trust in A, the clients, and B, probably someone like the government to go, well, hold on a minute, these guys know what they're doing and they're, they're, they're changing it. Like They're changing this whole industry. And actually, the more rubbish, PT, the more rubbish PTs there are, out there is actually better at the moment because then that brings the PTs that are good up on that pedestal to show that they are good. And even clients are starting to realize like when they're coming in into the new gym, they're like, you guys do this differently here, right? Like you've assessed me. I've never had an assessment before, but you refused to train me before at least you saw me do some movement just to make sure I was all right. No, like, okay, that's, I've, I've built some trust there and straight away value. And then you feel quite empowered with that. And I think that it's got to be from the employment level up once people change this industry of not being like a service industry and more a consultancy based industry that and a profession and a professional industry that's what's gonna i reckon spill that change and i think third space at the moment is probably one of the only ones pioneering it apart from those small pt studios that are also trying to do it but they just haven't got big enough voices they're gonna always sit in the background it's got to be these big big chains because when you look at third space even though they're a commercial gym it doesn't feel like it it's not like going into a virgin or a fitness there's something different it feels yeah. commercial it feels corporate slash commercial slash private slash exclusive but it yeah it's a weird it's a weird place and they're, they're killing it they're going to kill it if they continue at this this pace but yeah 
I think as well you have to you have to start doing that in London. Like I think again, yeah. like all these smaller commercial places that are outside of London, they're the ones that will then they'll be the next phase. You know, after that phase B, phase C, whatever it is. But it's got to be start. It's going to start in London. It's going to start in that that place. And like you say, third space. Remember when I was there? They built up so many good commercial relationships as well that all these businesses, if they have, you know, on their staff, you know, twenty percent of people who are obese on their staff on their taking sick days. And the government start looking at it and they'll soon realize if they pay for their gym membership and give them two hours a day to go to the gym, they'll yeah. soon realize that they have less sick days, they're more productive, they feel better about themselves, they're more confident, less stressed, they sleep better, they work better. Yeah. It, it's not going to take a genius to work it out. And I think that that's where companies in London will boom with that and it will then become part of a bigger national thing. I think Culture, we're talking, yeah. we are talking 10, 20 years, but yeah, it, it will it will at some point turn. It has to yeah. um, because otherwise people won't be able to fit through doors soon you know it's like it's gonna have to it's gonna have to come into the national interest at some point and i think when people realize that there's gyms out there that do that rather than just uh you know and, and they've started doing it like vitality health insurance like giving away free apple watches then yeah, they yeah, start yeah. to get people to be more active and very again smart thing to do they know the 300 pound cost of an apple watch means that they're going to actually save money like they're not yeah, yeah exactly um, and climbing. soon and soon businesses are going to realize that they're going to go hang on a minute 120 pound a month membership for a gym um it's worth our, it's worth our while doing this definitely yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually telling their employees you actually need to go like you've got two hours off now i don't want you to go home you can't do, you're going to the gym like almost i can take them down there on a lead or something like but i just <laughs> think in general that there's going to be this thing where it's going to be like this is good for your productivity this is good for you this is good for yeah. stress this is good for whatever uh, even if it's a you know pilates class it doesn't even have to be um, like oh, resistance yeah. training or cardio, it just literally go away from work, go do some <laughs> yoga, something, and I think that I think it will happen. I, I'd like yeah, to. Yeah, I, I PT'd in a, a corporate, a big bank. I don't know if I can say it, but yeah, big bank, and they they actually gave anyone that was a gym member gave them an extra half an hour for lunch. If you weren't a gym member, you didn't get an extra half an hour, and it was on their pass. And actually, if they didn't take because they clocked it on their passes, if they didn't take that extra half an hour the HR team would actually call them up and say, is everything all right? How do you feel? Like, is someone putting pressure on you? Go and go home now or go take that half an hour now. Like they'd make them do it and shut computers down and stuff. So yeah, it was cool. It was a good, good environment that way. I don't know if they still do it, but yeah. That sounds cool. All right, guys, I've chucked in a little break here as a pretty long episode. So it's a good time to pause or save it for the drive home or just plow right through. Because right now we're going to talk about our views on all the Alan Harrigan story. I mean, yeah. speaking from, I think you, Dan, you've touched on this. Is the I'm going to move this conversation through a yeah. little bit because I realise you went through on a on a, on a kind of big scale, and this is talking about big stuff, and we've got to touch on it on the, a week like it has been in the health and fitness industry. Um, is the accusations that have been flying around uh, this week about a chap that all three of us have seen talk, Mister yeah. Alan Arrogan, um, and we. Oh, I mean, it's nuts what's just been flown around. I mean, social media-wise, just the whole story about the whole thing. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, we're speaking from a place of we're exercise professionals. We'd never do any. We think we're shocked. Literally, when I I talked to Dan yesterday on Skype, and then I've messaged Josh straight away when it happened, and we were just like, "Fuck, wow, yeah, like this is this is bad." Um, especially as he's, he was seen, well, the accusations are there, but he was seen as one of the better good guys of the industry mm. trying to change stuff for the better. So, I mean, what are your two thoughts? This kind of encompasses us all 
anything. It's not not personal, Josh, but it's definitely like as a fitness industry. But yeah, what are you, your your guys' thoughts on what's happened? Yeah, so I mean, I had I had his quite a lot of his stuff referenced in a lot of my work, and even in the nutrition course and things like that, even in PT one. Um, straight away, I've removed the references, and just, because that 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 referencing someone and things like that is probably the biggest compliment you can pay someone, and and the support. Yep. So I don't really want to support him. I was actually part of his research review when it first ever started. I don't know if you guys knew the Alan Aragon research review. Hundred um, percent. I think it just it highlights that it's not just big celebrity. This happens like everywhere. And actually, people still probably think they can get away with it, which is quite strange. He's, he's a high profile in fitness, shall we say? He's like, yeah. he's a doctor for God's sake, right? So, I just, yeah, I don't think anything. A, we can never understand why, but B, yeah, it's a hard one because you never want to give an opinion because what you don't want to do is jump on a bandwagon to A, increase your kind of um following or people to go yeah well done you've said something against it everyone should always be against it anyway and people just i don't think should be using it as a platform to to build themselves up and then monetize it or try and gain followings of it i think what they need to do is respect the victims because there's two different sides right there's some people there's even some people going no he would never do that but then he's come out and he's admitted it cool there's someone said he's done it don't be don't be an ass and turn around and go well, he would never do that who, who do you think you are you can't give that sort of opinion so yeah i mean it's it's bad and i think that there's got this will now open up again just like other things it'll open up more accusations from other people and maybe even in the industry because unfortunately the world's full of evil and assholes <laughs> do you know what i mean so i think yeah. it's one of those things where i think you hit the nail head josh it's like I don't have to give my opinion because it is abhorrent. It's yeah. it's awful. Like, of course it's awful. Yeah. I don't need to try and boost my Facebook profile or my Facebook reach by putting my opinion out about it. Mm. Like, of course it is. Like, why, why would you think anything other than that? And the thing that's really got me about this and is people giving their opinion to try and get likes and comments on Facebook or Instagram. It's like, yeah, honestly, I just think stay out of it. Like, who cares what I think about the situation? Because I tell you what, anyone who knows me will know that I know, I think that that is this awful behavior and it can never be condoned. And yeah, I would never now support any of his work and I'd never pay. I've, I've subscribed to it. I used to subscribe to it years ago. Yeah, yeah. same. And I would never resubscribe and never support his work. I want my money back. But that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that kind of goes without saying. And I just think I've noticed that if, you, if people have worked with him and they've had colleagues or they've supported his work yeah. publicly or whatever then, yeah, saying that it's really bad and, you yeah. know, all that sort of stuff, whatever you And actually, say. yeah, you probably need to mention something oh, that actually, yeah. yeah. But, if you're, but if you're just in the industry and you just know of him, just just, just leave it. Yeah. Like, just just leave it. Like, it is awful. Of course it is. And, I've, and again, I, I, I don't think that by not saying anything, you, you're supporting it. I think by not saying anything, it's obvious and it's clear that you don't support that behaviour. You don't have to... If every single person had to come out every time something had happened and said... You know, like with Harvey Weinstein, everyone give their opinion on it. It's like, no, like, it's awful. You don't have to tell the world it's awful. You, If people agree the opposite way and they think it's not awful, they probably need to tell their opinion because they're the ones that are fucking weird. <laughs> but, like, I don't understand this necessity to try and boost your own, like, just for likes. Like, yeah. seriously? Is that what you're trying to do? Seriously? So in, in the M group, I, I put a small thing up when it was being discussed just, just to tell them, look, you're going to find references in our work and stuff, but just let you know, we are taking steps to remove them out. And that was it. That, that was as far as the conversation went. People just went, oh my God, I can't believe it. 
and that wasn't a public thing that was just to the guys that have got references on in their slide decks um and you know if you really want to support it and you want to support the get being against it go and donate to a charity that that work against this sort of thing that's showing your support but you don't be saying oh my god i donated well you've done that that that's the way the wrong way to go around it go and support them by doing that and being that person that helps that charity by supporting other people but do that silently and have a bit of decorum with it like yeah that's that's, that's the thing that annoys that's the thing that really annoys me is it's is it's the whole like yeah just again like go and support then a, a sexual harassment charity yeah. and do it off your own back and don't tell yeah. anyone just be a good well, human being and go, and go and do that interesting because i sat there and read all the comments through the posts that the the girl that um bless her that wrote all the story and came, yeah, came yeah, out yeah. on it so i wrote i read all that and then i flipped i went on her page her page is it's uh cybabe right is the person yeah. that's uh that's on. right yeah but and she she also withheld she was like no I'm not, i don't need to do this on my big status i haven't gone on all my social media this is just my personal one and uh she yeah. wrote a status um i think it was yesterday she was like hey guys uh thanks well kind of thanks for all the friend requests but what the hell? I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's not gonna make. She literally wrote, it "Was like, I don't friend anybody that I don't know." Don't on know. number one, if you want to follow me, follow my sideway papes. It's like this is like you're just trying to offer support. I get it, but this is the wrong way to do it. It's like this is exactly what you're going into the statement, giving your opinion, kind of thing. It's fine, but probably what it should be is just like, oh, I think the that's that's all he's a dick oh, okay cool fine yeah you know, um, go, not you know what the biggest support unfollow him unfollow him get a drink it's like, exactly what i did i was just like his status and nah, stuff that's that fine status. yeah I was just that's, like, delete everything that he's he has on any of my stuff like it's exactly. fine i'm not gonna quote him it's like it's just just it's just kind of just yeah history fuck off it's fine yeah um let's let them if it if they do like take it further press charges then that's when it goes further right and we've got nothing to do with yeah. that because um, as an industry we can just kind of outcast him and that's the worst thing for him so yeah, that's, that, what that's what needs to impact him yeah. is affecting his pocket and affecting his business and his support and livelihood that's that's what needs to he needs yeah. to be affected by because it was yeah it's fucking oh swore sorry uh, <laughs> you're allowed to swear as much as you I mean we say we can't fathom it but that's a good thing do you know what I mean not being able to put that into words is it means because we just can't compute it, yeah, yeah. <sighs> So I think that that's uh, I think that's gonna be a uh, like fucking ten cents on it, and that's yeah. all we're gonna say. Like basically, exactly. it doesn't need more of our podcast fucking taken up because we got a nice no. guest on, right? So which we need to move on to Josh's crazy shit, and that's literally what I've met, written in my notes because okay. uh, <laughs> on a personal level, um, see, I know Josh, and he's t- told me about some of the stuff that has happened like throughout his fitness industry and fitness life career, and I was just like. Fuck! I'm a boring shit. Like I have, <laughs> <laughs> and probably yeah, you. I, I, I could have told you that before you. Started. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> all right. Um, but yeah, there's. I mean, what the the things that I found like over the last month, you talked about your testosterone levels, which is really yeah. interesting. And I was like, oh shit! I was like, I'd never think about doing that. Any of that shit. <laughs> and then um, obviously, the um, I, I think we're friends now, Josh. The first time I saw your leg. Um, yeah. and then I was like oh that was what you were talking about alright cool because in the first PT was it yeah it was the first PT module you did an in-body scan and then you were like it's it's if and you probably need to tell this more than I do so Josh what's going on yeah so <laughs> preface, look, I'm from East London so in East London is quite like varied um, 
but it sounds like a story most of the time it sounds like a novel but uh, there's actually a, an old piece of of my stuff on evening standard if you search joshua silverman evening standard stuff i'm actually there talking about it but basically in 2004 i had a big motorbike accident um on the night of the accident it was literally do they save my leg or do they just cut it off there and then and it was like let's try it let's save it let's see what happens um so what they basically had to do was that to cut the dead muscle away from my leg which they have such a big hole that they had to do a muscle transplant from my back and put into my leg at the same time i also needed an external fixator which is all that framework to go over it and my leg needed to be vertical as vertical horizontal um for around a year year and a half I also had to have a blood fusion um, because I lost so much blood at the time and my, my liver started poisoning me. So I had to have a blood fusion and stuff like that. So in total, I, w- I was in hospital for a massive stint of three months, went out, come back in. So in total, in all six months with about 20, I think it was 20 operations. Uh, hourly was over 60 hours of operations within that time. Anyway, um, luckily, a lot of that's a blur to me. But yeah, what they did was take the muscle, my lat muscle, from my back, from my left-hand side, which was the whole muscle. So they didn't leave anything in there. That's how big the hole was. They put it in the lower right portion of my leg. They fixated my ankle. I've now got no more movement in my ankle. I haven't had it for since 2004. It's 14 years. Um, and they also took skin grafts, etc., and, and also put it on my leg and had an external fixator. I was in a wheelchair for about a year. I was then on crutches for about three years. I still walk with a limp because I'm a gangster. <laughs> um, no, because I've got no movement in the ankle. I've got um, osteoarthritis in the knee and in the ankle. I've got hip issues as well, um, and I get some nerve damage and nerve pain. But in in amongst all that, other stuff started to happen as well. So I got addicted to tramadol and morphine. I was like a fiend, like a crack fiend on it, because any time they needed to move me from a bed or because of bed sores and things, and I, I was getting cleaned in my bed for three months. Uh, every time I was moved, they just pressed the button of morphine, even if I didn't want it. They're like, yep, yeah, we'll press it. There you go. And I'm like, oh, I really don't want this. I'm fine. And in the end, I started getting cold sweats for it. They put me on tramadol, which is actually quite a big prescription drug that people are getting addicted to at the moment. It's quite big in the press. Um, and I was on a repeat prescription. No one, anytime went into the chemist every day to get these these hard drugs, basically. This is this is some that some people class it work, worse as a crack and, and heroin. But these hard drugs, no one would question it. I'd get loads and loads. So got addicted to that. Because of that and the loss of control in my life, I started to suffer with anorexia. So I, I went down that pathway. I came away from that. Then, obviously, no shit. I started suffering from depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. So that all happened. All of that stress and all of those different things, somewhere around the line, my hormones mucked up and changed. I don't mean polyquin hormones. I mean... Mate, I'm about to say, some rhodiola rosea will sort that out. <laughs> <laughs> I get you it, mate. I can get you it online. <laughs> So yeah, somewhere down that line, something obviously happened and my body took a big stress and the, the hormone that really mucked up was testosterone. So I've got a low amount of free testosterone, but not only that, I've got a very high amount of um, sex binding globulin hormone, which sounds like a party, which actually does <laughs> the opposite. So it means that I can't access the amount of testosterone I have access to. So in all of that, I have about 1.0 access of free testosterone, 1.0, which is like a 92-year-old. So I went on to try and testosterone replacement therapy. At first, it was good. Then I just didn't like it, like the, the twos and fro's. I put on a, a crap ton of, of weight, which good weight and bad weight, because I just started eating. My appetite went up. My PBs were amazing. Uh, my, my lifts in gym, I, was just, I just became a lad, basically. Um, <laughs> 
And then I came off of it and I was like, do you know what? This isn't me. I don't like it. I'm fine being slim. I don't like the fact I've got no biceps, but I don't care that much for it. So I'm all right. And actually the biggest thing that, that's led to my teaching is even with all of this, even with everything that's happened, if I restrict my calories, I still lose weight. That was probably my biggest lesson that it doesn't matter. And I don't need to down apple cider vinegar every day or I don't need to have a, a crap ton of coconut oil for me to lose weight. I just need to not eat as much, even with all those issues. So, yeah, that was my my issue. So I've still got my lat on my on the bottom of my leg. I was meant to go before I started this job for some cosmetic surgery to, to shave it down because it's quite a big lump. Um, but because it's not seen as an emergency and I'm not important enough, they cancelled it. So I might have to wait a couple more years before that happens. Um, so, yeah, and I still ride a motorbike, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and, and, and of course the worst thing of all is that you now work with Tom so yeah. it's only got worse since then <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, no. so my life is absolutely here. low it's a dip. <laughs> you've hit the rock bottom now yeah yeah um, that's, no, that's that's like that's, cr- that's crazy like I think I think to, to, to go through all that I think it puts I imagine that your perspective on life and perspective on things, like you say, when it comes to training and aesthetics and whether you've got a six pack or like you say, whether you're big or whatever, it kind of pales into, I suppose, insignificance because you're like, well, I'm, I can walk, I'm here. I'm like, I can still squat more than Tom because he's got a man. <laughs> like, like all that sort of stuff is like, well, actually it's okay. Like, you know, I think that's, that's quite a, a cool thing to be able to kind of go, well, yeah, I don't, I don't kind of, I suppose you just don't put a lot of stock in that anymore because you go, well, look what you're creating. And, you know, like you say, you, you know, you've got, it sounds weird, but you've got your brain, right? And you teach people and you kind of impart that wisdom. It's like, it doesn't really matter whether you're a fucking lion with a six pack on Instagram. You're like, you're, you're giving people that information that's going to enrich their lives. And I think, yeah, I think that uh, stuff can't be overlooked, you know? Weird, weirdly, it's still in my mind. I, I still, I'm still a very vain person in a sense of like, I still train to try and get muscle and I still eat to try to lose fat which makes no sense but i i am and i will always keep a low level of body fat because there is always going to be that one prick on the course when i stand up and talk about hypertrophy go uh but you ain't got no muscles do you know what i mean like and i'm never ever going to stand there and go well let me give you the reason why (laughs) i don't want muscles i just want to stay slim so and I, i stay in relatively good shape like relatively good and when I need to, to draw it back in, I do. And I still do put a lot of emphasis on that. And I need to stop. But I think that's more other stuff at play there. But, yeah, I, I, I do get what you mean. And it, it, it does make you think, actually, that's not the be-all and end-all. And I will never let myself get out of shape, should we say. But I just learned to live with the fact I'm never going to have pecs or, or, bi- or biceps. Great. Same here, Mate, yeah, fucking join the club. That's why you're on this show. So. But, but, I was, but I was a kayaker. Uh, that was my sport when I was younger because I, I, I was in East London and, and there's a lot to my story if you read on Evening Standard. But <laughs> I, I grew up in, in, in not the, the best of like, you know, privileged areas. But there was a charity there called Shadow Basin and they, they helped me. Ma- like that, that, that sort of carved me and, and sort of created me. But I kayaked and because of that, I can get a phenomenal back. Like... Even without a lap, my back looks good. But because of all that pulling, I can't do anything push-wise and my chest looks crap. And I'm like, cheers, thanks. If only a coach would have told me to do some pushing as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, but at least I can get a good back. But yeah, no one looks at yourself. Well, I don't look at myself from behind, so I don't really care. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and yeah, I, I think that's probably what 
that got me into fitness and all that in, into knowing when I was in the hospital bed all they cared about was that leg and yeah they got that leg strong but everything else was shutting down like everything else and they didn't look at me as a whole body and now what I've got to, got to interact with is when I've got knees that are not you know the same age I've got hips that are not the same age even shoulders that one's deteriorating more than the other and I think that's when I was like no one should ever be in this position so this is what I want to go down and do so that's that's what led me to Reebok when I first went into Reebok and that's why I wanted to do that yeah fucking hell so you can understand guys why I wanted to talk about his fucking story because there's a lot of it <laughs> Jesus Christ go look that up through the evening standard as well if you uh, maybe we'll, yeah, we'll post that on our Joshua Silverman City Gateway or something like that because that was my first place that I went and that actually my first teaching job was teaching young offenders I, I taught and underprivileged kids homeless people and stuff to become PTs uh, to change their life through fitness so I gave back to the to the charity that that kind of got me to where I was so I went back and helped them and volunteered and stuff but yeah decent that's where we that's basically our scouting pool for PTs isn't it Young offenders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you've, got, you've gone. You've gone for that look, Tom. Uh, yeah, I know. Look, you're modelling, mate. Yeah. Absolutely. To bearded. be fair, though, those guys, right? When when you look at the entrepreneurship skills that they've got, the hunger they have, they'll smash it. And you know what? Like when you go, oh, oh, this is so bad. I'm here nine till ten. They'll be like, all right, mate. How about not having a roof or having a job? That's bad. Yeah. yeah. That's. I, th- I think that. I think that that whole, like you say, having nothing. You know, when you see all a lot of the big entrepreneurs, I think the reason they get there is like you look at them and go, they got nothing. And I don't, I don't, I think he's, I think he's massively overplayed and over talked about in, in general. But like Gary V, everyone, you know, he came, came from nothing, pretty much came yeah. from nothing. And like, there's a reason that he's still talked about. It. And there's a reason why I think a lot of people can't resonate with him. No, I think, I think they think they can or they pretend. Yeah, they try to. But I actually think that when he says hustle, when he talks about working 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. on your, on yeah. your side hustle, they did, people think really and it's like no you don't get it like you don't understand like, that so, concept of, of having nothing like so, i mean i i grew up in a in a council in a council house uh, my dad was away under a majesty's pleasure for a while um so my mum had to work crazy hours my brother's a fireman so a very uh, you know stand-up guy and really uh, someone to look up to but i was the fir- probably the first one in that side of the family to actually purchase a property and it was doing we basically used to have our dinner lady from our school come around to our house at the end of the day in order to feed us because we that's what we had to eat but that's like going into the right pits of it but because of that and now owning a property i'm not scared if a client turns around and goes ah i don't want to pay for pt i'm like i don't care because i'm going to be straight on to the next one anyway and i'm going to show them value and i don't i don't really care if you don't pay whereas other pts were like oh they don't like me (laughs) oh no i didn't wear the right stuff or something like that so I think, you know, give me any day a room full of people that have come from nothing, that have maybe, you know, been in prison for stupid things. And I guarantee I'll give you probably one of the highest performance performing teams in the world because they know what it's like to not be there. So they'll make sure they're there. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I think... But, uh... yeah, <laughs> space is not full of ex-con <laughs> don't worry about that <laughs> uh, yeah so let's 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 draw the fucking like real talk to us as kind of an end I think uh, okay, we, need yeah. to, we need to actually talk about like burgers fucking shakes like yes. cereals that kind of shit because I think we're we're more well known for that if I'm really honest than hard hard hitting interview skills that we have but fucking yeah. hell yeah there's so but much actually, pressure my, my wedding we had burgers as the main course you did yeah what were you saying yeah we had burgers as the main course Bill Drone burger with either sweet potato fries or or normal fries 
because um, you know the, the clean eaters out there need sweet potatoes and then <laughs> um, then we had uh, cheesecake uh, sorry Oreo cheesecake and knickerbocker glories for, for dessert that was our that was our menu for our wedding yeah if any more weddings were like that exactly yeah fucking well hell. listen the second one when I find the second wife I'll let you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay now right so that has to lead us on to I mean something we generally will ask every single guest is right normal standard burger you're allowed any topping any toppings, plural, that you're allowed, what would you have? All right, so do we do you look at bun as well? Because bun. Oh yeah, yeah. We we we, we mean like we'll we'll go, in, go into what Ross Edgley went into, and then okay. then you realise what bun choice can be. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I mean, I was brioche. Most good burgers start with a brioche bun. However, I am partial to a sesame seed now and then. If if. The inside, so as in like the the toppings and the meat is right. So Five Guys, for instance, or even if you've ever had In and Out Burger in in LA, oh my god, like yeah, mate. So when when we went on our honeymoon, we done a big burger sort of tour thing. But anyway, so I think oh, this is a hard one. I'll I'll go over sesame seed bun on the on the basis that in my burger I'm going to have a medium rare patty. Within that. I would probably, if I get the perfect burger, I'd go have some form of cheese fritter. So, I mean, deep fried cheese, but it's got to be something quite aged or mature. So, it's maybe got to be a cheddar because otherwise it will lose its flavour. Within that, jalapenos, mustard, the basics of ketchup. Bacon is got to be. You've got to have bacon, really. Yeah, you've got to have bacon. Um... I need to come out of saying hell's outlandish, but I'm quite simple <laughs> with burgers, really, usually. Um, maybe some, because I'm having a jalapeno, some form of chili relish. Um, I think, I think that's it. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, maybe a lobster, lobster fritter in there, maybe. Everything in a fritter. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's I think good. that's, uh, I think that sounds pretty fucking so good bacon, you know, so bacon cheeseburger then. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's in the <laughs> detail Dan did you not hear it <laughs> uh, did you not but listen that's, that's to the, what I was saying did you not, not taste that flavour in your mouth it was good yeah, jalapenos mustard ketchup and gherkins gotta have gherkins oh you gotta have a little cheeky gherkin in there 100% yeah and the jalapenos gotta have that um, <laughs> yeah so that's basic but the, the, the fries the chips I still can't get over and I like rosemary chips and all that you know honest burger do it right patty and bun do it right that's great um but I still you just I don't think you can match Cajun five guys I just can't I just don't think you can I think I mean we fall on the fucking five guys train massively Dan and we've taken abuse I mean, from I it I mean five guys burgers are still it's just still one. great the, and for a fast food burger I mean oh, yeah they're still even for normal burgers for me still up there like I quite, I quite like dirty burger but the problem with dirty burger is that it is what it says and that is dirty I see right? yeah, I don't like I, I had it like about three or four yeah weeks ago and I was just like I'm so disappointed after it it was the only one around and so I was just like it's just not as good it should be it's considering like, I'm thinking it should be good and then yeah. it never lives I'm, up I'm, I am um, on that day I'm coming to London on the 15th of September I am in Shoreditch so Black Bear so burger. we're going to go Black, Black Bear. Bear I've yeah. heard about Black Bear I've, I've never been I've heard I don't know Is it? I is have Tom's been telling me everything about it and I um, have Tom likes it yeah so that's good enough for it's me I'm, I'm there <laughs> so obviously I've got you see... dip and flip though I quite like the gravy thing that's I'm, cool. I'm into that I'm, yeah. I'm about that 
yeah, that, yeah. That I'll is be about cool. on that one. I quite like that <laughs> idea of the dip and flip. Decent. I mean, ne- that's an education meeting, mate. Um, so uh, with the burger, you said fries shake. Yeah. What kind of shake <sighs> are we having? I'm really sorry, but I don't go for milkshakes. Oh, you! Wow. I tell you why. I've you never got enough calories. No, I know. <laughs> and I don't I'm have enough calories. Jesus. But if I was, it's if I go for a shake, it's usually an Oreo type shake. I mean, yeah, or peanut butter, um, vanilla. Absolutely not. Don't be an idiot. Um, if I go for a protein shake, which we don't do at a burger bar, it's gonna be strawberries. But yeah, I think a chocolatey Oreo cookie. Um, yeah, peanut butter. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you a root beer float. To be fair, because that's, that's, right. that's, that's a decent choice. It's yeah. got ice cream in it. Oh. Well, I love the taste of medicine. What can I say? Me and the hospital. <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> on it. I mean. um, or I even go for diet coke floats when I'm when I'm really poor on macros. To be fair, just to get something. But I don't really go for milkshakes anymore. I'd prefer just to get a side or extra chips. I just don't see the point in spending that many calories on a drink. That I'm only going to get stomach issues from anyway, from eating all that food and then piling in even more fat. Like, my stomach just, just doesn't tolerate it. Yeah, but it's so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're just like, oh, you 100%. Just I haven't like, had a burger and milkshake for ages. Mate, we'll, we'll, we'll do one. September is fine. Um, but, but to give you a perspective of how, like, rangy these fucking answers are, because yours is... That was pretty decent. You you went in on it. What was Emma? Sto- what was Emma Story Gordon's Dan? Oh. This is about a hundred episodes ago. ESG seriously let us down. Um, any topping in the world on anything you want, all she wanted on her burger was gherkins. That's it. Just gherkins. Just gherkins. Yeah, yeah. Just gherkins. So she let us down. <laughs> she fucking let us and down. And we also had episode mate. <laughs> the, best, yeah, the best ones we had were um, mine. Well, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Mine. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> But we had, um, for me, the best one's still Tony Gentle Cause. Um, what did he say? had uh, bacon, and in in America, it's obviously a bit like Biscoff spread, but like he said, oh. like this sweet cinnamon spread, and he was yeah. like, it sounds weird, it's amazing, and I was just sat there going, I can 100% see how that works, 100%. It's like maple syrup, it just works. It just, yeah, it just works. works. And then... Um, and then Ross Ross like went and yeah and then uh, one of the listeners actually just like grabbed it to me and sent it me a story where he was actually there like he was like this is what it looks like and mm-hmm. it is is it, this is where we talk about the bun I think you can shove a load of stuff on the burgers but it's a it's a donut you chop a donut in half oh, and then you put the burger inside a donut instead so you've got the sweet kind of savoury thing going on and See, we were I, like I, like the, I think it's bird that do it it's a, it, it's a burger but it's not it's two waffles yeah. Then it's um, chicken, maple syrup, bacon. It's like that's that's not that's, 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 that's amazing. <laughs> but I, we still the need. Most to... thing, the most annoying thing about Ross was though is that he said all this and then was like, "Oh yeah, come up to Manchester. I'll take you there. We'll go." And then about four days later, fucked off swimming around Great Britain. Yeah. Cheers, mate. <laughs> and then and then Dan goes, "How long? How long is it going to be? He's he's not going very fast. Like <laughs> <laughs> got to swim all the way around, mate. He's like." What? <laughs> uh, do you know what I'd get to Blackpool and go no I'm having enough uh, mate I'm going home Jesus Christ he's, he's like he's at the top of Scotland he's at halfway the moment. now yeah he's pretty much halfway he's been doing it a while he wouldn't even jump off of South End Pier let alone no. jump, swim all the way Jesus around Christ. forget that <laughs> you go in third space pool you do one length and go yeah. I'd rather just go deadly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright um, off the back of that so you've got to think we, we have done a, literally a whole podcast on eating cereal um, so are you a big cereal yeah. eater 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Really? All right. So, uh, <laughs> what would be your? Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people in Great Britain around our age are. Yeah, hundred percent. We were we were brought up on like, it, right? You know, when I was a kid, it was like, "Are you hungry? Yeah, have a bowl of cereal." Like, that Amazing. was literally it. If you're hungry, have a bottle of cereal. Ask my missus. She buys cereal. I eat it. Like, she doesn't get a, <laughs> a word in for it. So, so I tell her, don't buy anything. So just think, don't eat it. You can't I think it. three of our biggest opinions that we just go through on are cereals, protein bars, and diet drinks. What are your top go-tos on every single one of them? All right. So, cereal... Um, right, I did quite like the, the, the new stuff we'll look at. So, I did, I did quite like the... Um, Peanut butter clusters from, oh, what are they, a crunchy nut. Yeah. But to, if you're on calories, man, you're getting nothing. Like the 30 grams is like three clusters. Yeah. But I liked the old, the uh, the old ingredients, Lucky Charms, until they changed it. But now it's Mateys. Do you know Mateys? Yeah. So Mateys is the cheaper version, but they use the older ingredient. So it actually tastes better. So I like that. That's... If I could have any cereal every day, it would it would probably be that. Cool, makes nice. solid answer. Mates. I'd go for that. Yeah, fuck it. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Two pack fifty Tesco, <laughs> and then um, diet. Uh, sorry, protein bar. Um, if you pitch LD man, I'm turning it fucking off. <laughs> I, I had a protein bar today as well. I had a carb killer, and I hadn't had one for a while. And now I'm eating have? a fair amount of food, cookie dough. But like it was all right. But I remember when I was dieting, I thought they were incredible. And so, now yeah, I'm like, I'll, they're not that great. Them a bit. I mean, PhD smart's not too bad. Though. Not yeah, that. I tell you, I tell you, probably do some really good taste ones. I don't want to get Nutri Amino. Did mm. you had it before? Yeah. Nutri Amino is quite big in the states, and I tried it, and actually they smashed it. Everyone went nuts about Carb Killer in their birthday cake one, and it tastes like nothing. It was ridiculous. It was crap, and it hasn't got crunch. You need a bit of crunch. Oh no! I tell you the one. Tesco Nutrafol. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> that's the right answer. That's yeah. the, not the cookie and cream one. That's a nah, nah, They've wasted that one. That's ag. It's yeah, Nutrafol Vanilla Rebuild. It's like you always take the box to the till and go. Look, I've got a box. How many's in the box? Ten. Yeah. And it's like two for two pound or whatever. So yeah. you're getting twelve for a, for a tenner. Do you know what I mean? Like so. Yeah, I'd say that one. And then diet drinks. Diet. I always go Pepsi over Coke because I think it tastes better. Um, what diet drink would I mainly go for at the moment? Either, because I'm posh like this, the M&S um, Florida Orange Diet, but I also do quite like the Iron Brew Diet, but it's very gassy. Oh, Iron Brew, fuck off. The no. extra And when you say M&S Tropical, uh, is, that, is that shorthand for mine and Dan's favourite of Lilt? No, it's, it's, it's Florida Orange. <laughs> or, or, no, no, no. Um, the, sorry, the, the other, the main one that I'd go for would be pe- Pepsi Cherry, because it's sweet. Pepsi Cherry, Max. That's the one I'd go, I reckon. Yeah, Pepsi Cherry's all right. We'll let you off for that. But the, well, but the correct answers are Lilt Zero and Dr. Pepper Zero. They're yeah, I mean, answers. and we realise... I don't think the taste is there in Dr. Pepper Zero. I don't, I don't get it. And Lilt's too citrusy for me. I don't, I like sweet uh, rather than that. I mean, I mean, Josh is a panel of two, and we're correct. So yeah, I'm your boss. <laughs> the other one as well is I don't like. I love root beer, but it has to be the full sugar. Like a diet root beer just doesn't taste the same. It's just no, not there. It's not no. good. And it's hard to find as well. I can't find diet root beer anywhere. It's just expensive, from Amazon, isn't it? You have to order it in. Order it in from the US. And like, yeah, no, I'm not involved. <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a coffee guy than than diet drinks. Anyway, I'll just drink loads of coffee. Yeah. I think we fill in both those categories. Once it hits past about two o'clock, I'm on diet drinks. 
pre that it's just coffee all the way I love that chemicals <laughs> <laughs> fuck me I'm gonna die Jesus Christ all that aspartame um <laughs> Yeah, I think we can. I think we've gone for a solid fucking ninety minutes on this show, so we oh, wow. we've done well. Um, I thought we've we've gone over fucking. We're we're in Tony Gentlecord territory right now. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm just so boring, mate. <laughs> mate, we've got shit tons of content out there. It's amazing. So if anybody wants to actually follow this uh, actual lifestyle blogger, where are you at? <laughs> um, Instagram Josh underscore LDNM. Um, I wouldn't follow me. No, yeah, Josh <laughs> underscore LDNM. No, you've got enough followers as it is. Where every time one of your mates shouts you, yeah, I know, right? He was with me. We were walking down, and then he he was like, he got tagged by whatever. Who did you get tagged by? The so top knot. Top knot. Yeah, yeah, yeah top knot. That's um, one. Go the cards. Tag out yeah. on me, um, and just something he's never really done properly. He's done it now and then. Just puts me in a little post, but he went, "Oh, go follow this guy." And I think I got something like four or five thousand straight away. I was like, <laughs> "The hell." The algorithm just must yeah. have matched it well. So, yeah, that, that done all right. So, basically, now I'm a blogger. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm doing adverts for Maybelline and all sorts now. So, if you, if you want to pay me for a post, I'll do what you want. Yeah, I'm joking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Josh underscore LDNM. I'm on Twitter. I never go on it. No point. Just, just there, basically. And otherwise just see me in the street just don't hit me just say hello and it'll be alright yeah. <laughs> basically I mean it'll be fucking featured in a lot of my posts over the last I don't know last few months that we've been working together and I'm sure it will be heavily featured going forward as well because Josh has yeah. decided to book out my whole fucking October um, which is nice <laughs> and uh, hopefully soon there'll be a lot more once we've you know sorted it out and the big man Rob once we've sorted everything out with in regards to the first base education I think that will come out more as well that will now be something that we start shouting about and hopefully that's where all, all people will be pushed a bit more and it'll be like yeah this these are the guys this is who what we do this is who we are and known for the right stuff so yeah hopefully we will start shaping the industry yeah watch this space right um dan so any news god, your end god help the industry <laughs> you, you two can shape it i don't know fucking hell. sorry mate when's your interview <laughs> <laughs> Tier one, mate. I'm going in tier one, don't forget. Tier one. Got to do my internship first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's an intern. Yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. Fucking hell, that'd be awful. I'm not having an intern follow me around for a while. That'd be, that'd be great, but yeah, be a bit weird. I'd be like, client, here's an intern. No one would ask them to follow you. <laughs> I know, they'd be like, so I'd be like, uh, so this coffee shop's good. Um, so this coffee shop's good. <laughs> <laughs> summer, what was that, uh, that bun on the BAP? On the BAP? What is it? Oh yeah, I took you to a uh, a nice Korean place. Yeah, yeah you would make every intern. <laughs> every time I go Marlebone now, I need to literally just look down and not go into that restaurant. Oh, it's good. It's good. So yeah, good. On the bat. yeah, it's good. All right, um, Dan Biceps Banter. Any news your end? I know your show just came out recently. Yeah, show just came out tonight actually while we were live on air. So who knows? The internet could have blown up by the time by the time we finish this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know where to find on YouTube. Just search Biceps and Banter. But yeah, no, we've got. Um, our branding is being finalised this week, which is exciting, I think. We think it's being finalised this week anyway, so over the next week or so, there'll be all that sort of stuff. And then on the 15th of September, we're in London for the, the Novo Supplements UK launch, which will be good. We are one of the select few invited, which was quite cool. Um, so, yeah, we'll be, um, we'll be doing a uh, vlog of the day, you know, going to the underground. I'll be doing a video of the doors opening and closing and then pick up the camera and all that sort of shit. You know. <laughs> I do now. Yeah, Josh. Josh knows he's a yeah, life he's a blogger, blogger as well. Yeah, yeah. Well. yeah. Josh's a vlogger, not a blogger. So yeah. he writes. 
now I just pick up the camera. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll be in London on fifteenth September, so that'll be fun. Um, other than that, no news is good news from me. Amazing, definitely is. Um, yeah, and I guess no news from me. So thank you for Josh for fucking coming on to talk to us. Um, and as well, it's good. Cheers, mate. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Cheers. And uh, yeah, I guess everybody. Go follow Josh, go watch Dan's YouTube, and you can do whatever it was with me. Okay, uh, we will catch you next week. Um.